This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hello, and welcome to the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com. And I'm Helena from grayallday.com. Hi, Helena. Hi, Lori. Today on the podcast, Helena and I are shooting the breeze about what else? Sewing. (laughs) But we'll also talk a little bit about ourselves today. One of the great things about the online sewing community is seeing all the gorgeous clothes people are making, of course. But if you're a nosy parker like me, it's even more interesting to learn a little something personal about those sewers. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you agree, Helena? Are you nosy too? Oh yeah, so nosy. <laughs> right, so we have uh, Gila from Saturday Night Stitch is going to chime in on our podcast today, as well as Sasha from Secondo Piano, so you can hear her wonderful Italian accent. Uh, and we're going to invite you, our listeners, to chime in too, so we'll tell you a little bit about that later. And Maven Maris is back. Yay! I'm so excited. Yay! She's going to impart some wisdom on when it's good to follow the pattern instructions to the letter and when it's better to go your own way. And Helena, I know you go your way an awful lot when it comes to sewing patterns, right? I do. That's why I wanted to talk to her because I wanted to get her take on whether she likes to go her own way, if she even looks at the directions with all her sewing experience or... um, I know a lot of people get pretty detailed when they they look at those instructions and I tell you that I barely look at them at all at this point because uh, I just have my favorite technique. So um, so we get to hear uh, Maris's ideas on that. Too. Right, right. I'll just say right now that if I can avoid sewing a set in sleeve, I will do so at all costs. I'm sewing those sleeves in flat, no matter what the instructions tell me to do. <laughs> So, yeah, so I figured out that that's, uh, that's one way I'm going to go my own way when it comes to that. Nice. But, yeah, so we thought it was probably time for us to have a little chat and maybe we could just kind of um, talk to each other about what we do. Well, we're going to talk about sewing, of course, but what we do when we're not sewing. So I have a few questions for you, Helena. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview you today. Excellent. How does that sound? And then you can interview me. And then we're going to invite uh, anyone who's listening who wants to answer these questions for us and maybe be on a future episode of this podcast to please do so. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But first of all, Helena, I want to know, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I wanted to be a writer, actually. I used to make up stories. Uh, but a close second... I'll tell you is fashion designer because I made clothes for my Barbies. And so it kind of went hand in hand. I was making up stories, which is kind of the writerly part of it. Story, very elaborate um, stories, uh, my Barbies and their saga. And then there were outfits to go along with them. And they, um, they were usually uh, full skirted um, either like, Little House on the Prairie style or like princess style. That was that was my favorite setting to put them in. And then the and then the saga began from there. Oh, wow. That's that's really cool. It's not something I think you expect most people to say when they were a kid that they wanted to be a writer. I mean, you know, ballerina. okay, um, veterinarian. okay, but writer, that's very literary. I'm I'm quite impressed. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. And so what did you, what do you do for a living now? So now I am a web content coordinator and that means I uh, change the web content for a, a company that I work for. They sell exercise equipment and um, that's not a super fascinating subject, but I do like the part of my job where I have a list of tasks to do and I check them off because I'm kind of type A. And so, and uh, I also get to work from home in my pajamas, which oh, is- that's that's perfect. That's mm-hmm. perfect. Um, and do you do that thing when you do less? Because I'm a real list maker too. Do you, when you complete something that wasn't on your list, do you go back to your list and add it to the list just so you can cross it off? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Actually, I've almost changed my list around where I only put, because I um, am so type A, I'll put 20 things on my list. And then at the end of the day, I only get whatever, a reasonable amount of them done, right? Nine or 10 of them right. done. And I feel like a failure because I didn't get the other 11 done. So um, I have actually changed that around recently where I put the three most important things on my list. And then the other things that I get done, I add to my list and check them off. And then at the end of the day, I feel a little better about um, my day, like my productivity of the day. Oh, that makes so much sense. That's a really good strategy because it's true. If you have these to-do lists, I I heard a joke once somebody said, I'm thinking about committing suicide and just leaving my to-do list as my suicide note. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's really good. But yeah, I mean, when they get so long, it just feels so insurmountable. So that's, that's a good strategy just to kind of make yourself feel a little bit better about being productive, right? Yeah, because I'm doing stuff all day. So it's not, I get to the end of the day and I'm thinking, oh, I still didn't get this or that done. Um, This is all encompassing. This isn't just work things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I was busy all day, so I must've done a lot of important things and things must've gotten done. So I just, uh, kind of changed that around. I still have to keep, you know, I love my lists and I, I try to keep focus with them, but I don't, I'm not married to, um, planning every little detail because it might not happen and then I'll feel bad. (laughs) I want to feel good. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a good idea. All right. My third question for you, Helena, is what are you doing when you're not sewing? Um, mostly I am parenting. That takes up mm-hmm. a lot of my time. I have two little girls, but, uh, the things I, uh, choose to do my hobbies, my other hobbies, I guess, besides sewing is, um, writing. I think we talked about this when Dawn was on for, um, talking about athletic mm-hmm. apparel and um, I also write in my spare time. So that came full circle. I do that. And um, it seems like there is just an endless amount of projects around the house. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't pick that as a hobby. And yet that's what I end up having to do. Like, I feel like I'm still painting parts of the house and I'm rearranging and I'm organizing and yeah it just it's because you've only lived there for a short time so far right you moved recently ish. I like to say ish yeah that it's kind of a short time but it's actually <laughs> over two years so I oh should have crap together by now and yet but you know what two years is a short period of time when it comes to house renovations and projects time right like that's still yeah. you're still in early stages you're still just just in the baby stages <laughs> and I'd like to I'd like to think uh I should put it in the in the um, list 
concept that I did before where I list the things that I have got done. Like we got a, a major kitchen remodel done. We got, we installed a pool. Like there's a lot of things that we have got done. It's just like my younger daughter's uh, bedroom is still not painted. And I just am feeling defeated about that like, mm. poor thing. It's been two years and she's still got gray walls and she wants green and pink. And so nice. Yeah. it's on the list. Hey, tell me a little bit more about writing when that the writing that you do do in your spare time is, are you writing fiction or? Yeah, I do write fiction. Um, right now I am writing, I thought it was going to be a romance novel, but it's getting more complicated and it's always, always, always comes back to family relationships. I just think that that dynamic is so fun. I always try to, um, with friends, I, I don't know if I'm kind of like we were talking about nosy about it, but I'd like to hear about their family dynamics too, because everyone's family dynamics are so unique and everyone thinks that their family dynamic is normal because that's the way they've grown up. So I'd love <laughs> to hear about that. I think it's really interesting. Um, so Girlfriend, the one... I have so much to tell you. And, oh, goody, and goody, goody. believe me, I'm under no illusions that my family dynamic is normal. And yeah, <laughs> got some stories for you. <laughs> yeah, I just think that that, that is, is just an, it's a goldmine of um, fascinating things. Uh, one of my other hobbies, actually, that uh, since we're talking about hobbies, is that all my not all my family. I have three brothers that live here in town now, which is amazing. And then my mom and stepdad live here. So that's kind of part of my uh, hobbies is is family time. We're together a lot. We hang out a lot. Um, and we're lucky that we're all friends. So, so that accounts for a lot of my leisure time. Oh, that's nice. And are they all really nervous knowing that you're writing a, a novel about family dynamics now? They're like, this better not wind up in the novel. <laughs> oh, no, they don't know. They don't know. <laughs> oh, good. Keep it, keep it on the QT. Don't, don't let them know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, the, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not even to the level where I can wrap my mind around our own family dynamic. What I'm writing about is definitely about things that I see in other people's families um, because it's it's too hard. It's too complicated to write about your own family, I think. Like I was saying, everyone thinks their family is normal. So mm-hmm. the, the fascinating thing is what I see in um, this other family that I'm sneaking into writing about. I don't even think I can get to... <laughs> <laughs> my own family dynamic that's just a whole nother ball of wax oh that's really cool I didn't realize that that you wrote that's that's really interesting to find out about you and how we've been chatting with each other for like a year and a half now didn't even know that yeah yeah all right, so I don't want to not talk about sewing. So I know that you and I discussed this um, probably in our very first episode. We talked about why we sew. But I find that the reasons why we sew often kind of morph with our life and with different circumstances and things. So I'm going to ask you again, why do you sew? I I think I sew for the challenge at this point. And I also really love clothes. And, and, and that might have changed. I don't remember what I um, responded the first time we talked. It seems so, like, so long ago mm-hmm. when we first started this podcast. But, um, but definitely now is the challenge. I normally don't make things that aren't um, in some way something I want to tackle. 
so either fitting or a challenging fabric or um or an engineering problem that I want to find a solution for. Mm-hmm. So, and the contests, like we've talked about the contests, the contests spur me on to do that. And so it all you kind are of, competitive. Yes. Aren't it's you? All, yes. It's mm-hmm. all related. <laughs> so, and the running, it, it, it all ties in. So right, right. get a, yeah. get a good view of my personality that way. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because yeah, you know, challenge is, um, I'm not, I don't know if I've ever sewn for the challenge yet. I mean, it felt like a challenge certainly when I started and I think it's a challenge for everyone. You know, the first yeah. time you wrestle with, I don't know, trying to trying to sew a knit or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's interesting. And because I don't think you did say that the first time we talked about this. So oh. I always find that fascinating too, about the reasons why we sew seem to change with our life circumstances as well. Well, I had that big... Uh... I had a big hiatus, kind of a a slump in the sojo. And we talked about that a couple Mm -hmm. episodes back. And I think that's that, that was kind of a shift when I came back to it, I was looking at it a little differently. And so that's why the change in, in my, um, motivation is, yeah, I wanted to look at it a little differently. And can I just say that, man, did you ever come back on the scene with the bang with, uh, with your Marie Antoinette outfit that you sewed. That was one impressive dress. Will you just describe it in case people haven't seen it on your blog yet? Okay, so it's a simplified historic costume. It has a zipper down the back and there are many, many things that are not uh, reproductions, like the whole polyester fabric. The focus of it was the fun of just having a huge dress so it's a it's a big blue dress it has an underskirt with um it's like an upholstery fabric that has tucks in it so it's really textured and beautiful uh and it worked out really well for that dress even though um it's obviously upholstery (laughs) fabric (laughs) but you need something that stands up it's kind of a taffeta taffeta Uh, texture. And then I made a bunch of trim for it. And that was so fun because usually, so those kind of dresses, they just take so many parts and details and oh, that stuff adds up so quickly, just having seven yards of fabric and then having the lace for the sleeves and then for the neckline and for, and what's going to go down the, the front of the dress and the side, you know, all that. Um, so I made this trim so I could make as much as I wanted and I could just go crazy with it and stick it wherever I wanted. And I love that because I, I do feel like I, especially for a costume, I don't want to, you know, spend an arm and a leg on, um, something that's only going to get a couple Mm -hmm. days of use. So Mm -hmm. I really liked, uh, like figuring out the, the solution to that problem was make my own trim. So I, um, did a little tutorial on the burning the blog about that. Oh, it was such a great dress. Please tell me you wore it out to the grocery store and like all around your everyday life after you made it. I (laughs) did wear it. I wore it to the park. I admitted on, on the, um, uh, it isn't the most comfortable dress to wear. I mean, I didn't, I didn't make it as uncomfortable as I think a historic costume normally is. It didn't have a corset or anything. I had just had a long line bra on it underneath 
so that it kind of gave me a smooth shape and it and it was not tight. I did not make it tight because it's for Halloween and I knew I'd be eating candy, but um, it wasn't easy to get around in and I couldn't go anywhere in it because it was so poofy. You can't just right. smoosh your whole dress into my car. <laughs> I couldn't. So I walked around, though. I definitely walked around to the, down to the park. And proud then, of yeah. you. Very proud of you. <laughs> it was fun. What's on your sewing table right now? Oh, well, I just did a blog post on uh, the the patterns that I'm looking forward to sewing. And so I have a mishmash of those cut out and kind of ready to uh, be sewn. So I have uh, the kilo wrap dress from named and that's all cut out do you say kilo i think so yeah that's that's how i've been saying it in my in your head, head at least okay. yeah great mm-hmm. <laughs> so the kilo wrap dress um that is cut out and then the berlin skirt that's from the that pattern company that you got me hooked on that's all your fault laurie or juice is that how you say it Orageuse. yes i'll let you do the french i'll just You're... pour on that french accent there thank you thank you <laughs> uh i'm making the berlin skirt i'm making kind of a muslin i didn't have quite enough fabric to make the long version but i will make that long version because i just love the midi length with the front slit and just the shape is really great i just want to make sure the hips um were hanging correctly because it's going to be it's going to be all about the fit on that it's got mm-hmm. um it's got these big pockets that kind of poke out a bit from the hips uh, yeah yes mm. so um you need the the fit correct so that those pockets that kind of protrude are in the right place and the rest of the skirt fits nicely so it's not going to be too unflattering so mm. i just uh wanted to do a muslin even though it's going to be a wearable muslin you know me i don't i don't like actual muslins where i <laughs> i actually don't get to wear the clothes because i want tangible uh you know yeah so I'm actually, that's on my list too, that particular skirt. I've had it, I've had it in a pattern stash for quite a while Uh and I've been planning to muslin it too. And I've got this old Ikea duvet cover um, that I'm going to use up to do that. But I've realized, and that's going to actually shoot closer to the top of my list because I realized today I was trying to get dressed for a sort of mm, a business meeting at, at work. Um, and I tend to dress fairly casually, maybe a little bit funky at work. And so I was trying to look a little more presentable and I just didn't have the right skirt for that. And I thought that particular skirt, the Berlin skirt is going to be the perfect one. So shooting that up to the top of my list, I think. I agree. I think, um, because it's a different shape, I was actually going to make it out of black, isn't that boring? But that's I what thought, I want to do. I know, yeah. and that's so unusual for both of us, right? Mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. that, I think that's the perfect sort of sophisticated black skirt that you could have in your wardrobe, where it's it's kind of a, a pencil shape, but it's got some interesting extra details, as you say. The you know the the pockets that kind of jut out a little bit to give it yeah. a bit of architectural detail, which I think yeah. is just great. So yeah, I can totally see that in black, and it's almost a shame not to do it in black because it's just so sophisticated. <laughs> right, right, and all the so of course all the. Uh, Instagram pictures that I've seen. I'm searching up the hashtag and all of the Instagram pictures are all French ladies because this is a French pattern company. And of Mm -hmm. course they all look amazingly sophisticated in theirs. They're all these subdued colors and they're wearing them with amazing shoes and they're on Paris streets. And the whole look is just so amazing. I know my suburban life will not look like that when I'm wearing my (laughs) skirt, but still. I'm in a, we can I'm in a still reach for aspire. It. We That's can correct. still hope, Helena. Right? We can. <laughs> we can right, try. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
And what else are you excited about making uh, that's uh, like on your future plans? Uh, well, I can see you looking around your sewing studio there right now <laughs> as you as you contemplate the answer. Yeah, so I have so many things going on right now. Um, I noticed, and I'm going to write a blog post about this. I must have been in a Frenchy mood because I was poking around. Who is it? I don't. Okay, I cannot tell you where I found this, but I realized that uh, Wear Lemonade gave out a free pattern. It's called the Mona Jacket. It's like a simplified, super streamlined, uh, slim cut moto jacket mm. that is made for wovens, and it just looks super cute. It's got snaps on the um, on the collar, and they have a video tutorial. So free pattern video tutorial. So even if I can't understand her, that's okay. Cause I'm, I'm watching the, um, I'm watching the tutorial. And as we're going to learn from my chat from Maris, I don't follow directions anyway. So it's fine that there are no directions for me. <laughs> so I'm really excited about doing that, but I just got a bunch of patterns printed. And so I'm torn. I need mm. to do these other patterns and those 10, um, I wrote that list so that I'd stay focused, the list of 10 patterns. Mm. And so I have them ready. I have plenty of fabric. Don't you worry already. And then I saw that Mona jacket and I just want all of them <laughs> and I need to get it, get on it because I only have jacket weather for a couple months out of the year. Right. Here. right. So, <laughs> yeah. That's so often happens. The best laid plans, and then you see the shiny object, yes. and you drop everything for it. And yes. you should do, because like if you're that excited about it, then absolutely. You yeah. Know? yeah. That's... Forget the list. Screw it. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. The planning is half the fun, though. So even if I don't follow through, I had so much fun planning it. I mm -hmm. take all my fabrics out of my bins. I spread them all around. The dog thinks this is so fun because he rubs around <laughs> on all the fabrics great <laughs> <And> he hides <laughs> Thanks, and he and he like burrows underneath them and then he pounces <laughs> on them and he just thinks it's great uh but yeah I have so much fun planning that even if I don't follow through on the plan the actual list plan uh I had the fun already I, I right did have the fun so yeah so is it my turn to interview you Lori oh sure why not yeah like fun Let's do it. Um, this will be this will be great to get to know you better. Hopefully, I'll get some surprising answers too. So, um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, well, a ballerina, of course. Of course, of <laughs> there course. was that, and then that didn't last long because I went to ballet lessons, and the teacher was really mean. So that was the end of my ballet career. Aww. But I also wanted to be. I remember really wanting to be an archaeologist. I thought that seemed super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that. And uh, what do you do for a living now? I was gonna, I was gonna spill the beans and tell everyone what you do for a living now and how that made sense. But um, what do you do for a living now? <laughs> well, I'm not an archaeologist, and I'm definitely not a ballerina. But um, I'm a professor at uh, a university here in Toronto, and I am in the School of Media. So I teach media production to to undergraduates and graduate students, and it's the best job in the world. Sorry, everyone. It's gone. I have it. I have the best job. Um, I, oh, I just love it. It's, uh, it's so much fun to 
hang out with young folks who are creative and excited about producing media. And I even teach, you know, podcasting and radio production and sound design and that sort of thing. So, uh, so all of that is right up my alley. And um, yeah, and they constantly amaze me with their creative talents. And it's wonderful. Really enjoy it. Yeah, I uh, I was just gonna say that uh, the connection there was like the learning and and the um, and the conveying of knowledge. I could see, right. yeah, being yeah. an ar- archaeologist and and then and being a professor in in whatever medium, but especially that is an exciting one because I'm sure seeing the students be creative would be really fun not just doing the same old, same old, but you get new students all the time that are mm-hmm. wanting to learn that. And that's, yeah, with that's fresh ideas. Fun. And yeah, when I have to do grading, you know, I mean, I'll still complain because I just like to complain. But <laughs> I, you know, grading really isn't, um, it's it's really kind of a fun thing, because I'm, I'm basically grading podcasts and video productions and various forms of media that the that the students are writing and producing. So sitting down to, to go through those things is always a pleasure for the most part. Oh, that is amazing. That's great. Yeah. So what else do you do when you're not sewing? Um, well, when I'm not sewing, I like to do, well, a bunch of different things. And I've found lately, I've had to kind of prioritize, like, what am I going to decide to do? Like, if I choose to go play volleyball with my friends this Friday night, then that's probably means that I won't get this particular sewing project done. So that's one thing I do. I love to play volleyball, play Mm -hmm. indoor volleyball during the winter months, and I play beach volleyball in the summertime. Uh, And that's been a lifelong passion of mine ever since my family used to take us on vacations to Florida every winter. We were snowbirds, and we'd spend a couple weeks down there and just got the the beach volleyball bug. There's a photo of me playing volleyball when I was about eight and uh, just kind of stuck ever since then. So that's something I love to do. And I like to do yoga. I love yoga, actually. I don't do it nearly enough. I just, you know, again, that's one of those things. Okay, what do you prioritize to do? Mm -hmm. Um, I love to also make jewelry. Uh, so I took a couple really? of silversmithing courses a couple of years ago, and I don't do that so much um, lately. It's a bit more involved, so I guess, uh, you know, yeah. I do it here and there. Mm-hmm. And I love to knit. I love to knit. And I actually like sewing better in terms of being able to produce wearable garments. I find knitting can be very frustrating sometimes in terms of getting the fit right if you're trying to do a sweater or something, you know, something that's not a scarf or a hat. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing I do love about knitting is just being able to take it anywhere. And, you know, so you can do it on your commute. Um, I, I actually knit in faculty meetings at school and at first people were like, you know, she's knitting. I'm like, well, yeah, but you're, you're like on your computer on Facebook. So like who's paying better attention in this meeting? (laughs) Right. Right, right. And it keeps me calm and that sort of thing. So, um, and I kind of warned them, I'm like, you know, would anybody mind if I brought my serger to these meetings? You know, but I think that might be going too far. So (laughs) knitting remains the, you know, the most portable, most socially acceptable (laughs) hobby to do. So. Yeah, I just saw someone today uh, when I was waiting in the orthodontist and I had brought my notebook and she had brought her knitting while we were waiting for our kids to get their their, uh, orthodontist appointments done. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good thing to to have. And I guess uh, when I'm not doing those things, I love to bake and I love to cook with my husband and he and I love to travel. So we do a lot of traveling uh, when we have vacations and stuff. So yeah, I feel like I have a a good, rich, full life. Cool. Cool. Well, let's get uh, to the sewing part. Um, And we'll get to that 
classic question, why do you sew? Yeah. So I still get that thrill. I'm still in the early enough stages that I still get the thrill of completing a garment and thinking, I just made that. Like, I made a garment. You know, yeah. it's kind of... It's kind of like when you're a kid and you discover that the meat you buy in grocery stores actually came from a farm and you're like, it's that big aha connection. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of the same thing where it's like, well, clothes, yeah, you just go and buy them in a store, right? It's like, oh, no, I actually made it myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, but as you sew, of course, you kind of start to get over that and you sew for different reasons. Like you say, you sew now for the challenge uh, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I am starting to kind of question a little bit why do I keep sewing even though I've got a ton of clothes in my wardrobe? In fact, anything from this point forward is, anything that I make from this point forward is kind of superfluous. I have a closet stuffed full of stuff. So yeah. um, so I guess that means that I sew because I just really like it as a pastime. Like I don't necessarily need the clothes at this point, mm -hmm. which is kind of, there's a bit of guilt going along with that. You know, right. maybe I just should stop buying fabric and, and consuming things, but right. it's the pastime. You know, I really enjoy the, the act, all of the activities associated with sewing, the planning, the, the mm -hmm. fabric shopping, um, all of it. So I guess that's why I sew is it's just a great pastime. Yeah, I think it's a common thing to come up against that uh, question. When you have enough clothes, you really don't need anything. That planning uh, portion that I was saying I enjoy and get caught up in, um, what am I planning for? Like I have plenty of clothes to get me to, you know, five years from now. So I think, I think a lot of sewers uh, get to that point and they have to to think about it. And I'd love to hear everyone else's opinion on that. Like, when did you reach that? What are your thoughts going forward on that? I think that's an interesting discussion that uh, is, is getting discussed more, but I think it's not, I don't think there's a point where we all reach it. I think that there is um, just a different way you come to that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yes. It's, it's coming from all different angles and for different reasons. So it's not like, okay, we're to the point where we have too much, you know, too many clothes. We, we don't need any more clothes. I think we think about it in, in different terms. And I would love to hear everyone else's opinions on this. Yeah, I, I, I would love to hear that too, because there's definitely a huge range. I mean, some people are really, you know, it's the capsule wardrobe and that's all I need and that's all I'll work with. And then um, I was reading, it was uh, Jessica from Try Curious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, she was, she just wrote a, a very long and kind of introspective post about, yes. about that. Oh, yeah. it was like it she was, was speaking from my heart. I thought it was... Totally, me too. Yes. I, I thought I can totally relate to this because she was talking about, you know, I've got so many clothes. Why do I keep sewing these things? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, maybe I need to back down for a while and kind of um, not be so excited. And so I just want to sew all the things because we all have that feeling sometimes. I just want to sew everything. You know, you get inspired and you mm -hmm. see other people sewing things and wearing things. And you think, yeah, I want that too. And then, uh, yeah, at some point you just go, Wow look at all these things I've made. And yeah. And a, I wear my pajamas all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm wearing clothes today. No, I'm totally wearing clothes today, you guys. I swear. <laughs> it's a good thing this is an audio podcast. That's right. That's right. And people don't know you're lying, Helena. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
now that now that we feel guilty about this, um, what's on your sewing table right now? <laughs> <laughs> Tons of stuff. Of course, of course. Yeah, actually, well, right at this very moment, I just finished cutting out uh, a paper cut Sapporo coat. <gasps> no, uh, we have the same brain, Lori. Seriously. I know, seriously, yeah, and and yeah, we do. You guys, there are we're definitely... three thousand miles away from each other, or at least, because you're up north, I'm down south, and we are on separate coasts. Coasts. Yeah. So, but we are always like right on with each other as far yeah, as we seem what... to have really similar tastes and patterns <laughs> so and things funny. like that. So funny, and we yeah. get on the same. So Sapporo coat. Yes. Okay, tell me all about it. Well, I've got this crazy sort of hairy chartreuse green fabric for it. Amazing. Kind of woolly looking. And Uh I know, I kind of know, and again, here comes the guilt factor. I know that this coat is going to overwhelm me. Like it's green and hairy. And (laughs) the Sapporo coat is already a cocoon shape, so it's oversized. Mm -hmm. And I I have a feeling it's going to totally eat me up, but I cannot help myself. I have to make this coat. When I saw it, I was just like, whoa, paper cut. You've done it again. again I really yeah. love their patterns. I do too. And uh, lots of people are making this coat because it's very attractive. So I'm super excited about that. And I also have just cut out the uh, printed pattern for, um, again, something we have in common, the Vanessa Pouzet Eagle jacket. I know you made <gasps> yes. one maybe last year. Uh-huh. Uh, and so this is a, a sort of um, open jacket with a kind of waterfall front. Um, and I've got some... Ponty knit that's kind of a uh, navy blue and black kind of menswear look plaid oh, that I'm going to make it from. Cool. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah. what's going on on the sewing table right now. Oh, I can't wait to see. That'll be great. I should make that eagle jacket again. The one that I made was so complicated because I added um, like gold on the yoke and then I like embroidered down the sleeves and stuff. And I was thinking, that was super cool. Thank you. But, uh, I don't wear it that often because it's a little elaborate. So I should just make some out of blue ponty or something like that because it's such a great shape. Um, mm-hmm. It does actually remind me of the Havar jacket that I put on my list in that it's kind of um, a simplified jacket that has the waterfall neck. So it it just seems it just seems more relaxed and fashion forward than just a jacket jacket. Right. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited about both those patterns actually, but I can't wait mm-hmm. to see your version. That's great. Yeah. Thanks. What's what else is coming up for you? I bought another paper cut pattern, the Otsu jeans. I don't know oh. if you know those ones, but they sort of have some neat either piping or top stitching on them. I've never done jeans before, but I I've was just ordered up some Cone Mills denim. <gasps> cool. Yeah. So, and I'm very, I'm terrified, but I'm kind of excited about that. And um, I'm also, that's kind of all that's on the, the short range view for now, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's very restrained. Good job. I know, isn't it? Yeah. I have like I'm 10, actually, 16. I'm actually looking at a, a spreadsheet I have here, Helena. So it seems restrained, but like I could go on and on because I actually have a sewing spreadsheet in front that's of me. That's all you're going right to admit so. to right now. I exactly. see. I exactly. see. <laughs> well, that yeah. is, uh, those are some fun questions and a fun interview. And we would love to hear uh, other people's voices on answers to these questions because you can tell how much fun we had answering the questions and 
we will have even more fun getting more input from you guys. So I wrote a blog post about how you can just simply record your voice. And and I say simply record your voice with a great amount of sarcasm because I know how painful it is to record your own voice, listen to it back, and just think you sound stupid and and ridiculous and all those things. Everybody thinks that, though, when they hear their own recorded voice, right? I Luckily, I get to uh, ship it off to Lori, and she makes me sound so much better. I appreciate that so much. But um, (laughs) you also get the benefit of that. If you record your voice and send it to us, Lori will be working her magic on that, and you can uh, be featured on our podcast. We would just really love that to be... uh, this more of a community, not just Lori and I speaking. Um, I know we're fascinating. We think we are, but um, <laughs> we'd love to hear you guys we're too. We're so fascinating. <laughs> I hope that there's more than just you and I that think that this is worthwhile. <laughs> I know. That's what we're banking on. But <laughs> uh, but we know that uh, adding your voice to it will definitely enrich the conversations. Yeah, so people can just go to closemakingmavens.com and we've got the questions that we just posed to each other here posted yes. for you to read through and you can just record your answers on um, on your phone and send us the, the file. Uh, it's just kind of like leaving a voice message and answering these questions for us. And so we actually asked um, some other sewing bloggers to, to answer the questions. Yeah. So we have, um, first up we have Gila from Saturday Night Stitch. Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Hila Wheeling and I blog over at SaturdayNightStitch.com or you can find me on my YouTube channel. If you just type in Saturday Night Stitch on YouTube, you'll find me over there or on Instagram and my handle is at Saturday Night Stitch. As a child, I went through phases of wanting to be so many different things, but from the time that I was around 11 or 12, I settled on becoming an architect. I loved art, I loved drawing buildings, and I loved the idea that one day I could look at a building and be able to say that I designed that, once it had been built, of course. (laughs) Um, Currently, I've actually taken time out from working, and I'm just focusing on raising my children. I do a lot of things when I'm actually not sewing. So first of all, um, managing five children takes up a lot of my time but I also love gardening I grow we grow our own vegetables at an allotment and we also have a flower garden around the house that I just love pottering around in I also love doing yoga which is something that I make a part of my daily routine I love cooking and baking I read a ton of books. I also love knitting and crocheting and generally a lot of stuff that's to do with my hands. So I get up to a lot of stuff when I'm not actually sewing. (laughs) There's so many reasons why I sew. It would take a really long time to try and list them, but I have to say that quite possibly the most important ones that come to mind are Sewing is a creative outlet for me. I have always been creative and I've always felt a calling towards doing creative things and sewing fulfills that. I find it incredibly stimulating and challenging. The sense of achievement and accomplishment that I get when I've completed a garment is 
is incredible, but also on a more um, superfluous level, I love the fact that whatever I've made, whatever I'm wearing is just one of a kind and there's no chance that I'll bump into anybody else wearing exactly the same thing. Right now, I'm actually working on quite possibly the most challenging make of this year so far. I'm making a winter coat. I haven't made a coat in quite a long time, so it's been incredibly challenging, but I've been working through it very slowly and taking my time. So I have two upcoming projects that I'm quite excited about. Um, the first one is my twin girls who are turning four very soon. They have both developed such completely different personalities. One is a tomboy and the other one is a girly girl. And so the challenge is trying to make garments for them that are special, celebrating each of their individual personalities. But at the same time, there's a theme connecting that celebrates their twinship because that's a very special thing that they have. So I'm quite excited about that. The other thing that I'm excited about is I've also decided to make a simple three garment capsule wardrobe for my husband just as a way of um, using sewing as a way to express my gratitude for his uh, loving, supportive, caring, understanding and just for the fact that he's able to put up with me and my sewing mad lifestyle. So that was Gila from Saturday Night Stitch. And, you know, honestly, I, I follow her blog. I'm sure you do too, Helena. And, and she course. makes incredible clothes. And she's very prolific. And she had, she's looking after all those children too at the same time. I'm so amazed. And she looks amazing too. Like she's so certainly stylish. Does. And yeah, she it's, it's really fun to hear from her. Yeah. Uh, and next up, I invited... Sasha from Secondo Piano, whom you might know, she recently released a free pattern for, it was called the Basic Instinct t-shirt. Uh, and it's a great basic t-shirt that she released to the sewing community for free. And I've always been a, a huge admirer of her, of her designs and her yeah, clothes her that she style. posts on her blog. Yeah, just beautiful. So, mm -hmm. so here's Sasha. Hi, Laurie. My name is Sasha and I blog about sewing, actually it's clothes making because I also knit and uh, now I'm learning to weave and spin yarn at secondopiano.space. I'm actually secondopiano.space. Uh, I come from Italy, so I hope you'll forgive my spaghetti English. I like painting and drawing and I wanted to be in the arts. My family though had a different opinion. They wanted me to be a doctor. So my journey to my master's in fine arts and now fashion design was uh, a very long and tortuous one. Oh, for a living, I am actually a motion media designer and I also freelance as a concept designer. And of course I paint. <laughs> and of course not working. Um, I knit. I love hand knitting and machine knitting and I'm learning to weave and spin yarn. Yeah, so lots of things. I like to keep myself busy, I guess. Why do I sew? And <laughs> that's a tough one. There are so many reasons, ethical, social, economical, but basically I think it's because I like it. I really enjoy sewing. 
I love making things. If it's clothes, it's even better because I get to wear them. And they're not only beautiful, but also functional. Um, yeah, I guess it's because it makes me happy. Right now on my cutting table, there's a DB Studio. Uh, it's a French company. Shirt with pin tucks and flounces. And I also plan to add some beading to it. And I have another version of my own uh, Basic Instinct t-shirt. Uh, I'm planning a tutorial for the back neck binding for my blog. I think that's a nice ready-to-wear detail. One of those details that can elevate a garment. Plus, there are two pairs of jeans that I cut, well, I think, six months ago? Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. I've started draping my next Christmas dress. It's going to be made out of uh, some uh, red Armani twill, gorgeous fabric. People on Instagram have already seen it. Uh, I also got some um, very good suggestions about what pattern to use. I decided to put elements from some of those patterns together and, and fuse them into my own. I'm also very excited about the next closet case Patterns release. Yes, I am. <laughs> Thank you, Laurie, and happy sewing, ladies. I already love her. <laughs> I know, she's wonderful. And oh, that's so cute that she said, Oh, sorry about my spaghetti English. So cute. I mean, I'm amazed at anybody that can speak a second language fluently. So, yes. you know, hats off to you, Sasha, for agreeing to do this in your non native language. Thank you so much. It's super yeah, cool. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, and and Helena, you and I have invited a number of other people to uh, to give us their feedback on these questions, and we'll be sprinkling them throughout upcoming podcasts. So the call is open, wide open for you to participate too. Just go to closemakingmavens.com and uh, you'll see some instructions there for uh, what the questions are exactly and and how to record them and send them to us. Yes, please do. Mm. We can't wait to hear from you. And so now I think it's time to hear from Maven Maris. After a long time away, we've got Maven Maris back. Yeah, and we we had more of a conversation this time. So I got her opinion on when you open those pattern instructions, especially to a big four pattern, because their instructions vary so widely between designers and between the different facets of the big four, right? The, the Vogue instructions are very different from McCall's and Simplicity. And so I personally just put clothes together the way that I want them put together, the way my fabric calls for, the way I have time to, <laughs> honestly, or the, mm -hmm. the challenge that I want to take on. Like we talked about how I sew for the challenge. So it may not call for putting a bound buttonhole in, but if that's something that I want to work on, then I can go ahead and throw that onto any pattern and I ignore the instructions for that. So I got to talk to her about whether she does that and when it's a really good idea to look at those instructions carefully. Great. I see people that, you know, on their blogs, they get very detailed into explaining the instructions and how, oh, the instructions told me to do it this way. And, and I always think that's fascinating because these are some advanced seamstresses, at least intermediate for certain. So I thought it was interesting that they're even reading the instructions that thoroughly at that point, because I don't. Like, it doesn't matter. They don't know what fabric I'm using in the pattern instructions. They don't know the finishing techniques that I need to use. And, you know, they're 
I always change a little bit of something. So I never look at the pattern instructions. I mean, I do in a cursory way, um, kind of get me started or uh, maybe order of construction. So the thing about pattern instructions to me, and I, I frequently do a very similar thing, Helena. I, for the most part, know the order of construction. And for the most part, I know how I want to do things. Sometimes if I'm doing a pattern that's very complicated, so a jacket with lots of finishing details and lots of pieces, and maybe I haven't done a jacket in a few years or something like that, then I'm definitely going to take a look at the instructions. Sometimes if I'm using new products that are called for in a pattern, then I think that's a good time to take a look at the instructions too and see, oh, are they doing something different? Is there a way that I have to do this that maybe is not completely intuitive to me or not? But I definitely think that many people just get too married to those instructions and they follow the exact order that things are done. What I always tell my students is, look, you can think of this garment as components. You can make your cuffs, you can make your collar, you can, you know, put the yoke on, you can make the body of your garment, then you can attach the, the plackets to your sleeves and then set your sleeves in. And maybe that's not the order that the pattern tells them to do at all. And, you know, they're like, but I'm not supposed to do that. I need to do this. No, you don't. You know, if it, I think the other thing that people need to pay attention to, what's your energy level? Are you capable of doing something at nine o'clock at night that's really complicated and you really have to think about and you have to be extremely precise about? Or is that the time, you know, that you just whip your side seams together and do the finishing on it or yeah. you run, you surge all of your seams before you even start? Right. You know, mm -hmm. that's a very good point. So I think people really would benefit their sewing would benefit tremendously if they read books about different construction systems and different construction methods so there's an example is i have a book that's uh, designer techniques uh, designer techniques and processes and that book has a ton of great techniques and great tips on both the sequence, the construction sequence, as well as the specific technique that is net, you never see that in pattern instructions. So if you get married to just following exactly what the um, designer tells you to do in a pattern, you might be missing another technique that is really great. I'm personally not a huge fan of YouTube. And the reason for this is because there's a lot of people who post quick and dirty little YouTube videos that aren't that great. They yeah. there's might no vetting. To, there's no vetting on there. And there are some yeah. really good ones. I'm not saying that there aren't. There's an English tailor that I, I just love. I watch all of his, you know, videos on making a man's suit because that's one of my goals is one day I want to make a man's suit. But anyway, cool. um, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, here's how you put a zipper in, blah, blah, blah. And I watch it. And I'm like, really? Because you just set that person up for failure. So anyway, I think if you read a book that has maybe some 
techniques that are used in the industry, in manufacturing. Maybe it's been used as a textbook. I think you're going to get a much higher caliber of instructional information than you're going to get from YouTube. Uh, from a lot of people's blogs, and all of those things are fine, and they're fun, and they're great, and they get people excited about sewing. So I, I'm not really trying to diss on all those things. I'm just saying it depends on what you want. If you're trying to elevate your skill set, then you need to go to somebody that's a kind of a recognized expert. And Yeah, books are a good way to do that. I, you don't just get a book deal by knowing how to upload a video on YouTube. Exactly. And you have to have some credentials. Mm -hmm. You have to have some experience. So that's another idea of something that I think is really helpful on instructions. And make sure that you don't feel like you have to follow the sequence that's in patterns. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not really necessary. You have to think about that a little bit. If you can do something that isn't going to be impacted um, that's a, a great thing with pattern instructions. But if you are a pretty experienced sewer, I would advocate that you trust your instincts because yeah. things end up being wrong in written instructions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they put out so many patterns. They put out so many patterns. There's so many details. I would also say that the big four is definitely guilty of a big reduction in the amount of instructional material that's contained in the instructions. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of vintage patterns, and when I compare how they describe a technique in the vintage pattern to a pattern that's produced today, oh, there's no, there's literally no comparison. It's so much more in the vintage patterns. And that's why people actually could learn how to sew from making a, a garment from a pattern. When That's I interesting. Out. Yeah. I thought it was the opposite because um, they had like a, a certain level that they knew that you at least knew because, um, you know, back in vintage days, you had to be sewing. Everyone was sewing. So I thought maybe um, I've always been kind of afraid of vintage patterns because of that reason. No. You'll have the steps will be much more clearly explained. There'll be more steps. They're, they're much more – am I – I mean, I don't have every vintage pattern, but the ones that I've looked at, I think there's a lot more material and a lot more steps. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I do have access to some 80s patterns and 90s patterns because my mom has quite a good backlog. That, Collection. Um, yeah, yeah, that she she's held on to. And um, some of them are so cute. Some of them are yeah. so relevant. I am yeah. very glad. I wish she hadn't got rid of any. She did do a purge. Tell me about it. I wish I hadn't gotten rid of any of mine either. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a bummer. We just have so much fun chatting that we can go off on a million different tangents. But the thing about patterns that I really, I want people to definitely trust their instincts. I want them to try different techniques, not be afraid to vary from the construction sequence and just use pattern instructions kind of as a guideline. And maybe if there's something that you truly don't understand, you might want to follow the pattern. But maybe another thing that you could do is find a, a different source and see if a different source, a book, you know, a trusted video, something like that could really help you. And just, you know, don't feel like those instructions are the gospel because they are not. Yeah, I agree. That's that's definitely how I how I live it. Yeah.
good for you. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, thanks. That's going to be very helpful for people to give um, our listeners some uh, permission. Go ahead and and do it. Try it. See how it goes for you. Do it. I mean, don't hold us accountable, please. (laughs) Oh, wait. Don't don't file a lawsuit. Wait, wait, wait. A sewing lawsuit. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't want anyone to ruin pretty fabric. That would be the tragedy, wouldn't it? Well, this does bring up one other point, which I think home sewers are particularly guilty of not sampling a technique. Mm-hmm. So let's just take a simple example, which I think has happened to everybody at some point or another, you know, at one point in their sewing life is you didn't know how to put in an invisible zipper. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you, and you're making a silk dress. Okay. Are you really going to try to put that invisible zipper in first time on a piece of silk on a dress that you're maybe wearing to a wedding or some definitely some, you know, relatively fancy occasion if you're using silk, probably. Right. And you really need to sample that process on other fabric. And then you can go ahead and use polyester or maybe a scrap of the silk after you've cut the garment out so you can see how the zipper interacts with the silk fabric. But for God's sake, don't just you know, try to slam that thing into your garment right away, you're going to be crying <laughs> about it. I agree. I never have the patience to do that. But yeah, I think practicing techniques would be such a good idea for me, for sure. It's a really good idea for everybody because, you know, fabric behaves differently. Um, your sewing machine might be, <clears throat> excuse me, behaving differently. You might be using the wrong thread for the project. You yeah. might have forgotten that you moved your needle position over and oh my gosh do you want to find that out on your final garment you know mm-hmm. it's it's just really an underutilized technique is if you just sampled things and tried to practice it a little bit you would really improve the final result it's hard when you're a hobby sewer and you don't have a ton of time but i think it would probably behoove me to take some of my my hobby time and do some practicing like you kind of do scales kind of um perfect analogy yeah like doing your warm-up scales when you're going to sing or play the piano or anything else and really it takes you know wasn't it malcolm gladwell who said it takes ten thousand hours to become an expert well that's a lot of time right right ten thousand hours is a lot of time and full time for 10 years, I think, is what I think it would, what he broke it down to. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of time and you just really have to keep working at it. So don't be yeah. on yourself. Just keep going. It's good. It's all, it's all. <laughs> okay. It's <happening>. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was a very fun conversation as usual. All right. I knew it would be. It's great to hear from Maven Maris again. Glad to have her back on the podcast. So uh, we'll have her again coming up regularly as well as hopefully hearing from you. As we mentioned before, please go to closemakingmavens.com and see the list of questions that we want you to answer. And they don't have to be long answers. They can be short answers or anything in between. And send them to us, and we'll include you on a future episode of Clothes Making Mavens. Yeah, it'll be such a great addition to the podcast because we just want more of a community aspect. And I hope that you guys will join in. Yeah. 
Great. Well, it's lovely to talk to you as always, Helena, and uh, we'll chat next time. Okay. Sounds good. Bye, Lori. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.